Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, our text this morning reads, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward in your father, from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let the left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father then who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me and for me as we look to God's word this morning? Father, we praise you for all we have is Christ. We are incapable of obeying you in the flesh on our own, and it is only through your Spirit which you give us and indwell us with, and we trust in Christ's by faith, that enables us to live the hard, difficult truths that we see in this passage. For we are all natural trumpeters of the self. And so, Father, we ask by your grace that we would slay the trumpeting nature that is within us, and that we would do so for your glory and for our good. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. The touchdown celebration is a staple of NFL football. From coordinated ring around the rosy to exploding football grenades to flexing like bodybuilders and to dancing like Michael Jackson, year after year, the celebration dances in the NFL seem to grow in extravagance, complexity, and what many would deem obnoxiousness. As players strive to outdo one another with their self-glorifying dances. In fact, many NFL players even hire professional choreographers to help them design their own unique touchdown celebration. Because they got to outdo each other even in this. And while the touchdown celebrations are now a normal part of NFL football, they weren't always the case. For it wasn't until 1965 when the New York Giants player, Homer Jones, came up with the football spike after scoring a touchdown. And it was this spike by Homer that then opened the door for all the other homers in the NFL to continue the tradition and expound upon it. And why? To show how uniquely awesome they are. That's what it's about, isn't it? It's to show how great they are. It's to draw attention to themselves, to spotlight themselves, in order to show how wonderfully talented and great they are. Or, 
we might say, to borrow Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 6, they are trumpeting themselves to draw attention to themselves for their greatness. And so in Matthew chapter 6, church, Jesus warns us against the spiritual touchdown dances we often engage in before each other to show how great we are. That's what we do. It's the bent of our hearts. And Jesus' point is simple. If you live that way, if your religiosity, your, your faith, your, what you believe, your spirituality is fueled by a desire to trumpet yourself, then that's not only a terribly bad thing, but there are terribly bad consequences that come with that. See, if I trumpet myself, who am I not trumpeting? God. And God is the one person, one person, who deserves our trumpeting praises. Not myself. I'm a very shallow God. I don't have anything within me that's worth trumpeting. But yet, what do we do? We go around trumpeting ourselves, trying to get everyone to agree with how great and wonderful we are. 1 Corinthians 10.31, this is a familiar passage, and here's what it says. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, say it with me, church, do what? All to the glory of God. All. All of it. Does that leave any room for little things for myself? Maybe, maybe a touchdown dance or something like that when I score a touchdown? No. All of it is for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. And this is very, very difficult for our sin-fallen hearts, is it not? See, we all are desperate to draw attention to ourselves, to show everyone how great we are, how awesome and wonderfully spiritually are with our giving, with our religiousness, and how disciplined we are in our Christian walk. And see, when we do this, what we are doing is we are taking everything in our life and we are bending it to serve as a spotlight to ourselves. That's what we're doing, to serve as a means of trumpeting ourselves instead of trumpeting God. See, we are all living to please an audience. Make no mistake, you're living to please an audience. And while we don't get a choice about if we're going to live to please an audience, we do get a choice about which audience that is we are going to live to please, man or God. It's really that simple. And if we want to know which audience we are living for, that too is actually pretty simple to figure out. Who do you trumpet? Is your life about trumpeting God or yourself? And if you do trumpet yourself, Jesus gives us three reasons why that's a really bad idea. And this brings us to our outline. Here's our point this morning. Self-trumpeting is three things. It is deceptive, it is idolatrous, And finally, third, it's condemned. In this passage, Jesus gives three examples. Just three. Could have given us a whole lot more, but three examples of ways that we self-trumpet. All right? And what are they? Well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. I encourage you to follow along with us. But the three things are giving, prayer, and fasting. Fasting? Wait, what? Why is that on the list? I never signed up for no fasting. What's going on here? Because fasting was not only practiced in the Old Testament, it was practiced by Christ himself and the early church. Why? As a means of manipulating God through our, you know, fasting and, you know, this strenuous activity to get him to do what we want? No, obviously not. 
It's not divine manipulation. For as Jesus points out, not even prayer itself is divine manipulation. For God knows, as this text says, what we are going to pray even before we ask it. And as we'll see next week with the Lord's Prayer, how are we to be praying? My will be done or thy will be done? Not mine, thy. It's according to God's sovereign will that we pray. And so fasting then, similar to prayer, is used then by Christians as a means of communion or deep focus upon God as we place our attention entirely upon him. And so for Christians, fasting then is simply a way of foregoing food. Why? To make ourselves more spiritual? No. As a means of focusing ourselves on God and to help us recognize our complete and total dependence upon him. Now that's why fasting is listing here, so we'll leave it at that, but let's jump into this text. Why is self-trumpeting deceptive? Our first point. Think about that. Why is it so deceptive? If you notice in verses 2, 5, and 16, look at your Bibles, what adjective does Jesus use to describe self-trumpeting trumpeters? What's the word? It starts with an H. Hypocrites. Right. See, in the Greek, the word that is used here for hypocrite has to do with acting. Right? It has to do with mask wearing or putting on an act in a play. The word gives us the picture of somebody who is acting a part. They're not truly the person they're acting to be. They are faking it to make it look like they are that person. And so what Jesus is saying here is that if you give, if you pray, and you fast in order to show the audience of everybody else this part that you're playing and to deceive them into them thinking you are that when you're not, you're a hypocritical mask wearer. What you are is an act, a spiritual actor. You're not really giving, praying, or fasting, right? You just want people to think you're a giving, praying, fasting person. That's the goal behind it. You're not doing it for the right reasons. You may be doing the right things, but your motives are entirely wrong. You are more concerned with people seeing your self-image and concluding, wow, that's a person who prays a lot. Good for them. That's, that's remarkable. You see that touchdown they scored? That's crazy. They should celebrate a little, right? That's what our goal is. And if you think about this, it is incredibly hypocritical. If the reason I give is because I want you to think that I'm a generous giver, then what is my motive there? Itself. I'm using even giving, which is to be others-orientated, I'm using that as a means to get. I'm giving to get right? Which is boiling hot hypocrisy at its finest because I'm playing the part of someone who is a generous giving person, but the reality is I'm anything but that. I'm just putting on the mask of that and trying to get everyone to think I'm that. See, back in Jesus's time, people would often do their giving in a way that got people's attentions. They'd make a spectacle out of it. A little touchdown dance, if you would, right? As they would do their giving because they wanted everyone to see Oh, I'm the kind of person who's so generous and gives. Look at me. That's what happened. And so what are some of the ways then that we do this today? Because it's no different today. Nothing's changed. We still find ways to do this. Think about it. How do we do this? How do we trumpet our giving? You thought about this before? Have you ever put your money in the offering plate in a trumpeting way trying to get everyone to see? Maybe the offering plate comes by and you pull out the wallet, hoping, you know, yes, right? That sort of thing, right? 
or you hold out the, you know, the bill or whatever so that everyone's like, oh, wow, that guy's giving. And you feel so just good about yourself when you do it. Anybody ever done that before? I'm the only one? Okay. All right. Or you could, you know, forget that, you know, we give Sunday mornings often, and so you pull out your checkbook and hold it up and just write on that thing we're able to see, right? Or you put your check in the offering plate, unfolded, face up, so everybody can see just how much you gave. Does anybody ever do stuff like that? Never, right? Not us. That's absolutely trumpeting. It's trumpeting our giving. All right? That's what we do. And we are all tempted to do that. I know we don't pass a plate in here. We got a box in the back, but can we trumpet our giving with a box in the back lobby? Sure we can. Walk up and away, try to get as much tension as we can, and right in and walk away. Like, hmm, yes, look at me. Now in our passage, Jesus talks about giving, but he also talks about prayer and fasting and how we do all three of these things which are good things, for the wrong reason of trying to bring glory to the self. We do them because we want to be noticed. We want to be seen as a good person. And the scary thing is, Jesus has only given us three examples of the three billion he could have in the ways that we trumpet ourselves. All right? What are some of the other ways that we do this? Anybody ever seen the highlighted Bible? I did this in high school. I got into Bible reading. I remember looking back, and I just shake my head at it, but I highlighted everything. Why? Because then when I opened my Bible, people would see, ooh, look at this. This guy knows his stuff. He reads the Bible, right? It's trumpeting, all right? We all, it's, it's in our nature. It's in our blood. How about this? You have somebody over to your house. You ever leave your Bible out tactfully turned open so that when they come in, they see, oh, this person's reading their Wow, impressive. They're in Leviticus. I didn't know anyone could even get, right? Like that kind of a thing. It's trumpeting. How about this? When I pray at church or at a prayer meeting, and the reality is I'm actually not praying to God, what am I doing? I'm praying to you all. Trying to get you to see and hear just how spiritually deep my prayers are. How, you know, just these deep felt, just, wow. That, was a, that should be in Scripture, you know, those kind of things, right? We do that, right? We use our prayers not to pray to God as Jesus instructs us to, as we're going to see next week, but we use it as ways to rebuke things, to show off our theological knowledge or our passion for God. And that, make no mistake, is trumpeting ourselves. It's precisely what it is. How about this one? How about Bible studies? I love I thrive on you know, theological conversations with, in groups. I, I just love it. I could talk about theology all day long. But how about Bible studies? Can a desire to discuss theology with people come from not a desire to grow and learn more about God, but because I want you to see me as the kind of person who likes to study the Bible and learn about God? Absolutely it can. That absolutely can be our desire. And the scary thing is, our hearts will deceive us that that's our actual desire for it. Is it possible to enjoy Bible studies simply because it's a great forum to trumpet my spiritual knowledge and superiority and show off my little theological end zone dance just how smart I am compared to everyone in this room? Absolutely it is. And do you know how you can easily tell if your motive there is self-trumpeting or God trumpeting? How's your private Bible study going with yourself? 
Does your desire for God's word extend beyond social gatherings to one-on-one with God? Spending time getting to know the God that fuels the passion in the group conversations, but does that passion carry over to your time with God studying his word? Because if it doesn't, church, and our passion for God's word is only a passion for studying it socially with others, it's a very, very strong indicator that your passion for God's word is really a passion for trumpeting to others just how much you know, just how spiritually excellent you are. This is the kind of stuff that Jesus is getting at in this text. It's the kind of things we have to think about because the deceptive nature of our heart blinds us from these truths, doesn't it? It absolutely does. The Christian faith has both a social and a solo element to it. And it's not either or, it's both and. It's not just your quiet time in your prayer closet. Let's pick on the other side of this a little bit, right? It's not just that. And if that's all it is because you can't stand God's people because they drive you nuts with all of their sin and their imperfections, right? That is also a very strong indicator that you don't actually have or know the love of God in your heart at all whatsoever. It is. We must have both of these, the social and the solo element to our faith, and those are the two ditches. We tend to lean one way or the other. We say, the solo thing's too hard, and so we go with the social trumpeting nature of our faith and neglect that, or we go over here to the solo side and say, I can't deal with all these chumps. I'm tired of them being sinners, not like me. I mean, I'm a sinner, but not quite like that. That sort of a thing. It's pride. And so what we're doing is trumpeting our own righteousness to ourselves. When we trumpet our good deeds, not only are we attempted to deceive each other, but even more wickedly, we foolishly believe, believe that we can deceive God himself. And as we saw last week from Psalm 139, how likely is that to happen? A God who knows all, literally everything. As the text showed us last week, a God who knows the words you're going to say before you say them. He's got them in a book, right? We're going to deceive that God who not only knows everything, but is everywhere. He is all present at all times. And as we saw from that text, it wasn't like his elbows over here in your, in your living room. No, his face, the face of God, is upon all of creation. Can we deceive that kind of a God with our self-trumpeting behavior? Absolutely not, church. We cannot do that. God sees right through our hypocritical disguises, right through our acting, right through our little outfits we put on, because he sees our heart. Man looks upon the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the what? The heart, right? And so God knows what we are all about. We're not tricking anybody. And what we are all about, if it isn't loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself, it's about loving myself above all others. And let me ask you, what is the biblical term for that? Hint, it's point number two on the slide. Idolatry what it is. Leads us to our second point. Self-trumpeting is deceptive, but it's also idolatrous. I'm going to read from Psalm 150, verses 1 through 6. And it reads, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his great 
is excellent in greatness. Praise him with trumpets. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We are to worship the Lord in everything we say and do. But when we trumpet our good works before others, what does Jesus say that we're doing here? He says we're trying to bring praise to ourselves. That's what the text says. Look, right, it's right there. Bring praise to ourselves and not to God. And if we praise ourselves instead of God, what does that do to our worship? Does it make us worshipers of God? No. It makes us idol worshipers of the self. As we said before, we all want to be known as someone who does the right stuff. Okay? That's often our motive for doing the right stuff, to be known as somebody who does the right stuff. That's, that's trumpeting. And so what we are doing is the right thing for the wrong reason, out of the desire to worship ourselves. Now maybe you're thinking, well, I don't to handle all this. This is easy. I'm just not going to give myself a chance to trumpet. I'll pray in secret, I'll give in secret, and I'll fast in secret. That's going to solve this trumpeting thing once and for all. Is it? Are you sure about that? I wouldn't be too too sure about that. Look at what Jesus says in verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. That is incredibly profound. You see what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, don't even trumpet your good works to yourself. That's what he's saying. Don't trumpet our good works to ourselves. And the crazy part about our self-worshipping nature and then how insidious is, is that when reading a passage like this and it tells me not to trumpet my giving, my praying, and my fasting, what do I do? I say, okay, self, we're not going to do that. I say, great, good idea, self. Because why? Because we're the kind of person who doesn't trumpet our giving. We don't trumpet our praying or our fasting. And do you see what that is? It's simply trumpeting ourselves to ourselves for not trumpeting. Do you understand why the prophet Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick? Who can understand it? Look, your self-trumpeting behavior, I'm going to be direct with you, it's a hot mess. It's a bad hot mess, all right? And it's such a hot mess that even your attempts to clean up that mess simply results in creating a more eviler, worse, terrible mess. That's what it does. And if you still don't agree with me, I can about guarantee you, you've never given the spiritual discipline of fasting a serious go at it. Because if you did, by day three, you would be wondering if you needed to have an exorcism upon yourself. You'd, you'd be thinking there's demons or something in there, all right? Because the truth is, fasting is a freakishly revealing thing to the depths of evil that exists within the human heart. It shows us just how much the comfort of food masks our sinful nature. It does. And well, and fasting also reveals our idolatrous addiction to food that we look to to give us comfort. If you've never fasted and you try it, you'll quickly see just how much food is a depravity mask for us. 
Food's a good thing, but it absolutely masks the evil within our hearts. It does. The truth is, our hearts long for everyone and everything to worship and serve it. And unless we get the spiritual cardiological help that we need, desperately need, we're going to suffer loss, as Christ points out. It's going to harm us. It's going to lead to suffering and loss. And this leads us to our third point. Trumpeting, self-trumpeting is deceptive, it's idolatrous, and third, it's condemned. No questions about it. This is condemned behavior. All throughout this passage, Jesus keeps bringing up reward and loss. And in verse 2, he says, those who trumpet their giving, they've received all the reward they're going to get from, from their behavior. They're getting nothing from God. All right? Yeah, they got their name in the paper. Their reputation increased with others. But what does God give them? Zilch. Nothing. Why? Because they exchanged the gifts, the rewards, the praise from God for the praise of men. And if you don't know what a bad trade is, that's probably the best example I can think of. What a bad trade that is. You know, this idea of punishment and rewards, it doesn't sit well in our culture, does it? We think, oh, that, that, that punishment, that's just for non-Christians. No, church, that's for Christians. We're going to one day stand in a completely different throne room and be judged for our works. Every person's works will be judged, whether it be of wood, hay, or stubble, or silver and gold. All of our works are going to be judged before the Bema Seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we, will appear, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There is a judgment seat for unbelievers. But there is a judgment seat for believers. Not one where we will be rejected and condemned, but where we will suffer loss. And this is a very serious thing. Because if you're a non-believer and you haven't truly trusted in Christ and all of your religiosity is simply a means to trumpet your, your goodness, then you are lost. And you will one day stand before God's mighty wrath and receive it in full. But for those of us who have trust in Christ, we still struggle not to do that, don't we? We absolutely do. We still battle the flesh. We have the spirit that we are to walk in, but our the problem is our pesky flesh keeps rising up and being like, hey, that, that'd be a good way to trumpet yourself. Grab that thing, do it. That's what we do. And Jesus says, he tells us that there will be loss and reward for that. And so it's a very serious thing. I was thinking about this for myself. As a pastor, it can be so easy to make the motive of even my preaching to be to please you all. And the scary thing about it is, if that's my motive, is to please this audience as opposed to that audience, it's going to burn up. It's going to absolutely burn up. So this is very serious stuff. In Matthew 5.16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, think about this. This, was, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, right? This is the chapter we just got through, and we're in Matthew chapter 6 now. Is this a contradiction? Like, I'm supposed to do all this religious stuff in secret so nobody sees, but it, you know, the chapter before Jesus, he tells us what? Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works. Is this a contradiction? 
No, it's not. In chapter 6, Jesus says to hide your good works, but in chapter 5, he says to let them shine before others. And so how is this not a contradiction? How do we make sense of this? Am I to pray at the restaurant for all to see, or am I to do it in the car quietly so no one sees? What do we do here? Our text this morning isn't saying it's wrong to, to pray in public when people are watching. What it's saying is it's wrong to pray in public for the purpose of trumpeting my righteousness my religiosity, my spirituality. We are to pray in public. Why? To point all of the glory to the God who hears our prayers through the blood of Christ. All right? And that's a huge difference. So there is no contradiction here between Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. As the Westminster Catechism rightly puts it, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. As servants of the Most High God, everything we do is to be done for trumpeting his glory, not our own. Which means our hearts were actually made to trumpet him and to find satisfaction in him. And so maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, why would I want to do that? This trumpeting myself thing seems to be going pretty good. Well, I can think of two reasons for that. One, you should trumpet God because you were made for it. And two, you should trumpet the glory of God because you were died for for it. Two powerful reasons. Can a fish live on dry land and flourish? No. Can a bird live in the sea and thrive? No. Can a man live for the creation and find joy and lasting happiness apart from the Creator? No. And why? Because that's not what you were made for. You were not made to find satisfaction in the things of this world. That's not how the human machine runs. It doesn't run on the creation. It runs on what? The creator. That's the fuel we were made to run on. And the crazy part about this is it's so painfully obvious. But we keep believing the lie over and over and over again. I mean, look at Hollywood. They have everything, right? They've got the looks. They've got the fame. They've got the money. And these people are what? They're some of the most miserable, insufferable people on the planet, right? Like, their relationships are always falling into disarray and apart, and they just, just doesn't work out for them. Like, what's going on here? It's because they are desperately trying to find joy and happiness in the creation instead of the creator. And that doesn't work, does it? It can't work. And yet, how many times do we keep returning to the poison well to sip and see if it will satisfy? It doesn't. The second reason you should live for the glory of God and trumpet that and not yourself is that you were died for. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Roughly 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the King of glory and all the universe, was born into our world, not with the sounds of kingly trumpets or to the praise of others, but in the quiet of night in poverty. Though he deserved all of the trumpeting, all of the honor, and the praise of all, he came not to be served, but to what? To serve as a ransom for many. He came and lived and died and lived his life completely devoted to the glory of God, where he did the works the Father gave him and even spoke the words the Father gave him. That was it. That's how he lived. He lived a doxological life from start to finish to the praise and glory of God. 
He lived entirely and always for the glory of God and the love of others. And because Christ did this, church, we too can now live for the glory of God and not the glory of self. We can finally stop living our lives for all of the silly, stupid little touchdown dances, end zone dances that we like to do. That's what we do apart from the gospel of grace radically changing us. We look just as silly with our lives trying to show off how how great we are like these NFL players do in the end zones. And because of the grace of God, we can finally stop living that way. How? Well, in Luke 18, Jesus tells us of a parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector who went to the temple to pray. And in Jesus' day, tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst. They were social outcasts. And so what happened, Jesus tells us, is the Pharisee entered and he stood tall in the most prominent place and he prayed loudly before God saying, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here. For I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But Jesus then tells us that the tax collector stood back in shame for his sin and full of remorse over it. And he beat his chest and prayed, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And what does Jesus tell us about the eternal state of these two men? The tax collector was the one who left justified before God, not the Pharisee, who was simply using his religious obedience as a means of trumpeting his righteousness before God. And all of our righteous works are what before him, apart from Christ? Filthy rags. They're not impressive even in the slightest, all right? It doesn't do anything for us. And so maybe you are here today and you are tired of the heaviness of constantly having to reorient everything in your life to trumpet the self. And if that's you, humble yourself before God, as the tax collector did. Cast yourself upon the mercy and grace of God. For if you do, you will come to find that his grace is sufficient. It is sufficient to even save a wretched sinner like you and like me. And so praise God for his love, for his mercy, and for his grace who calls prodigal sons and daughters to come and be his children and be saved by the precious blood of Christ. Father, we thank you for this text. Lord, this one hits home for a lot of us. It's quite revealing, but we need that revealing. For your word is a spotlight upon the soul. It shows us our spiritual imperfections, the ways that we are hideously trying to obey you through our disobedience, through our rebellion. And so, Father, we ask that we would see the truths in this text today, and be changed by it. That through the power of your Spirit, that that you would show us, illuminate our minds to see the ways in which we are living for the glory of self and not the glory of God. Help us not to take good things and twist them into evil things, into evil, idolatrous things. And for we know that we could never do this ourselves, but only through the power of your wonderful grace. So we praise you, we love you, And we ask, Lord, that you would make us more like Christ. And we will give you all of the praise, all of the honor, and all of the glory for that. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.